Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God and has called all believers to a higher standard of Christian living. If you'd like to learn and grow while understanding biblical teaching, then you're in the right place. Here is our shepherd, Pastor R.L. White Sr. Blessings be upon you in the name of Jesus. We're in the gospel according to John. And I have to say this publicly to all the parents and grandparents who prayed in God's house today. Please look at Pastor for a minute. Expect results. Even if your kids are not here, slip your hand up. Expect results. Gospel according to John, please find chapter 17. To all of my young people, this is the time to get your notebooks ready, notepads out, pen out also. Amen. We're going to get it into the word. Thank you, Father, that our ears are open, our spiritual eyes are open. We're here to receive from you today, Holy Spirit. Thank you. You're going to speak to my mind, speak to my voice. Thank you, Father, that lives are going to be transformed. In the name of Jesus, amen. Every person on the planet has the power to choose to believe in God. And every person on the planet has the power to accept Christ as Savior. And I hope that everyone has been taking the opportunity to influence those who God has brought into your life. We know before we go out and influence the world, we must first of all start where? At home. Amen. And what a blessing it is that God chose us to be influencers for the kingdom. Each week we listen to God's word and each week we start applying his word, we will begin to see results. If you've ever had a garden or if you ever planted any kind of plant, it, the seed does not grow up overnight. It takes time. And what we're about to experience, we're going to experience accelerated growth. Some of you can write that down. Accelerated growth. We're not hearing noise. We're not hearing thunder. Because many of us, and I want to hear a big amen, have gotten off the roller coaster. Somebody say, I am connected. We are connected to the kingdom of the living God. When you're truly connected to the kingdom of God, you're not going back to how you used to be. I say this each week, and I'm very serious about this. Jesus warns us throughout the New Testament. And, and it's a blessing, first of all, that Jesus cared enough 2,000 years ago to warn us about anything. <laughs> Process it. But he warns us that the things we're seeing today, they're not really world events. They're actually kingdom events. One day, whether the world talks about this or not, Jesus is coming back. 
What an incredible night here in this 17th chapter Jesus is having with these 11 men. And during this discourse, he was communicating with them about future events. Everyone say out loud, the word of God, word of God. Is, is amazing. 2,000 years ago, we know that the world rejected Jesus, and we can see today that 2,000 years later, the world is still rejecting Jesus. In today's lessons, we're going to be looking at chapter 17, verse 13, that contains significant theological implications, and it also continues with the departure of Jesus and his high priestly prayer. We know that through the power of prayer, there is calmness, there is peace, there is self-control. And Jesus was praying a private prayer in front of his disciples because he wanted them to know the intimate relationship that he actually had with his father. His death his burial, his resurrection that took place over 2,000 years ago. We are blessed to see the effects of it today because all of us are now living in the church age. And we know here at Emmanuel Church, one day the church age will be winding. Please write it down. I am living in the future. I was watching the news the other day, and in San Francisco and in San Diego, California, they have a fleet of driverless taxis. It's not the same as the Tesla. These driverless taxis are called robo-taxis, and they drive around the streets 24 hours a day, so whenever you need a taxi, all you have to do is get on your phone and hail a taxi. Now I'm curious, because one thing about when things happen on the East Coast or on the West Coast, eventually they make their way here to the Midwest. So I'm curious, is anyone in here willing to get inside of a driverless car? Anybody? Got one person. Well, my, me and Sister Brenda, I think, oh, Samari, okay, hold your hand up. Well, see, pastor don't like to drive a lot. So if, when it gets here, I'm going to be praying a lot and sitting in the back seat a lot. The future's not coming. The future's already here. What you talking about, pastor? Jesus said this, processed this, over 2,000 years ago. He says, if you really want to know when I'm going to return, just look for the sign of the times. Don't you realize here in Kansas City, for everyone watching the broadcast, and I know, and see, some of you don't know, we have people watching us in Germany, Switzerland, and in the UK. Say amen. amen. Here in Kansas City, it can be 60 degrees one day. And the next day can be 101. Jesus says, you want to know when I'm going to return? He says, you won't be able to tell one season 
Look at the devastation just took place in Hawaii. We are seeing things we've never seen before because one day Jesus in Canada right now, they have over 60,000 acres burning. Fires taking place everywhere. And here right now, California is getting ready to be under a flood warning. Jesus says you won't be able to tell one season from the next. We are living in the future. How many of you have heard of the World Bank? Hold your hand up high so I can see who I'm talking to. The World Bank. The World Bank. Google this when you get home. Don't do it now. The World Bank just put out a statement against the country of Uganda this week. We're living in the future. The World Bank made a vow, Deacon was reminding me today, the World Bank says that they will not get involved in politics, but now in 2023, they're doing just that. But only Jesus can truly give us hope for our future. Say amen. There is a new spiritual awakening taking place all over the land and it's wonderful to see that the church is finally coming together in unity. And the Lord God said to tell my people, if you're not experiencing this new awakening, you need to repent. I'm finding this out, Brother Marvin. Let's have a conversation for a minute. Some people have never, I'm taking my glasses off. Some people have never been saved. So people know how to come to church. People know how to sing all the right songs. People know how to pray all the right prayers. They have their favorite scripture down. They know about tradition, but it's not about that. It's actually about having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And people want to get on this kick. God doesn't care what you call him. Yes, he does. Jesus told us how to address God. Jesus says, when you pray, this is how you address him. Our Father, who art in heaven. God is real. And Jesus said, one day, I'm coming back not after the world, I'm coming back after the church to take you to my father's house. Because in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare this place for you, I will come again and I'll pick you up and I'll hold you in my arms and I'll carry you to my father's house. I, I don't want to be a church member. I don't want to just have my name on the roll. I want to make sure my name is written, uh-oh, in the Lamb's Book of Life. Look at somebody say, I'm glad I'm saved. If you're not saved, repent. 
the church, stop running, and this is all my brothers watching, this brothers and sisters, stop running from the word repentance. Some pastors, evangelists, teachers, you first of all, before the church can repent, you need to repent. Tricking people, stealing their money, that's not what God called you to do. Until you make an internal change, nothing will happen on the outside. Because one thing's for sure, baby, you can only fake it for so long. I love what Jesus said. What is in you? Oh, it'll eventually. When you come into this spiritual awakening, you begin to realize, hey, I can't live like I want to live and still honor and show glory and respect to God. Because if I live how I want to, my flesh gets in the way every time. I want to please God. I want to have conversation with God. And you can't be in communion with God and you live in any kind of way. I wonder why I don't ever hear from God. How much time do you spend with him? I wonder why Jesus don't ever speak to me. How much time do you spend? Say amen, church. You ought to want to have a new relationship with God. And many of us are experiencing this now. And I love it that the church is finally beginning to truly understand it's not about religion because all of us know this we say this all the time boy they make me mad I have to lay my religion down what kind of God you have that you can lay him down no come on say amen amen it's about relationship and when you have a new relationship with God God begins to change you on the inside. Please remember when we pray, we're actually having a dialogue between God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we learn each day, the closer you get to God, the more you actually start to see how God, how Jesus, how the Holy Spirit, they're orchestrating things for our good. All the good stuff that comes your way, it's not an accident. It's not by chance. I got two people sitting right here now. I tried to hook up with this man all week, me and Reverend Perkins. I hope you don't mind me saying this. Reverend Perkins said, Pastor, I have an unbelievable testimony to tell you. God is doing some great things for the church. I got another member sitting here now where God just supernaturally erased $40,000 worth of debt this past week. Why don't you clap your hands? Uh, Pastor, so, so, so what's going on, Pastor? How is God doing all this supernatural stuff? Because some of us are trying to line up. Some of us are trying to live for him. Some of us are trying to be obedient. You can't have one foot.
And so now, here at Emmanuel Church, we know two people. Within 30 days, one person received $70,000, another person $40,000. Don't tell me what God can do. It is no secret. Look at somebody say, I love God. Look at him say, I love him, I love him. Today, we're going to be looking at verse 13. And Jesus prays for his disciples right before the church age began. And what a blessing it is that 2,000 years later, God entrusted us to be part of his son's church. I'm sure his disciples were listening to every word he was praying. They were truly in tune to what he was saying. The question is, I challenged everyone last week, and the question today is, did you pray out loud this past week? Let me see your hand. Just like we practice everything else, practice praying out loud. Your spouse, your grandkids need to hear you pray out loud. Jesus prayed out loud in front of his friends. And how blessed they were to hear this private prayer between a father and son. <laughs> and we know this Emmanuel family, you can learn a lot just by listening. The disciples listened to Jesus and they heard what he had to say to his father. Last week, in verse 12, we learned how the son of perdition, how Judas was doomed to hell. He wasn't doomed because he hung himself. Some people say he went to hell because he committed suicide. That's not true. He went to hell because he betrayed the son of the living God. Now God foreknew Judas would do this, but God did not predestine Judas to do this. We found out last week, Judas made a choice. So the choices you make today will affect your future tomorrow. Young people, don't jump up and get in the car with everybody. The choices you make today will affect your future tomorrow. We can't really grasp how Satan individually attacked these 11 disciples because they were about to start the church age and the devil had so many plans to destroy them because the devil did not want the church to come into existence. Who's the church? This building is not the church. Say, I am the church. And the devil did not want you to be here today because he knows the potential, he knows the seed, he knows the blessing, he knows the anointing, he knows all of this that God has already put in you. It's recorded here that when Jesus instituted the church, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Put your hand on yourself. Say, I am really special. 
It's recorded here in the New Testament. These 11 men who were sitting around listening to Jesus, 10 of the 11 men were going to die very tragic deaths. And only the writer of this book, only the writer of John, lived long enough to finish the story. Gospel of John. Find chapter 17. Look at verse 13. Pastor's reading from the Amplified Bible. Jesus continues his high priestly prayer and he expresses his desire for his disciples to have a new experience. He says, Father, and now I am coming to you. I say these things while I am still in the world so that my joy may be made full and complete and perfect in them. Look at this next part. That they may experience. Jesus said that they may experience my delight fulfilled in them. That my enjoyment may be perfected in their souls. But that they may have my gladness within them, look at it, filling their hearts. Jesus is making a statement in his prayer. Now I'm coming to you, Father. He's making it clear to his disciples that his departure is at hand. He never came here and expected to live to be 34. He died at 33 and a half. That was no surprise to him. Jesus knew when he left heaven that he would only be here on earth for a little while. And whoever's next to you, you need to realize this. I don't care if you live to be 120. We're only here for a little while. Now, remind your neighbor, tell them, say, you better start living. I didn't say living. I said living because we're only here Somebody say, well, pastor, you don't know. I, I'm waiting for my money. I'm, you better start living. You don't know what kind of aches and pains you might have tomorrow. You better start living today. I heard somebody tell me, I'm not going to look at nobody. Somebody told me, said, pastor, it's so hot outside. After we get out of church, we all going swimming. You better start living. This verse actually underscores the temporary nature of the life of Jesus. Not only did he die at 33 and a half, but he only ministered for three and a half years because he was preparing for his transition in the heavenly realm. Where is the kingdom of God? In the heavenly realm. His departure marks the completion of his mission on earth. Jesus said, look at your Bible. I'm getting ready to leave. And with him getting ready to leave, it starts a new beginning. 
a new relationship that we're going to have with our Savior. Now, I want to pause here because the church has not got this correct. Bring me your Bible, someone. So you gave this to me. So this is my Bible. It's mine. Thank you, bro. Say it. Stay there. Stay there. It's my Bible. This belongs to me. If I purchase this Bible, it's my Bible. You cannot take my Bible. It's my choice whether or not I want to give it away or not because it's my The church, first of all, belong to God. Now listen to me. And once Jesus completed his mission, God took the church and gave the church to his son. If God gave the church to his son, that means the church no longer belongs to God. The church belongs to Jesus. Jesus died for the church. When Jesus comes back one day, he's not coming back for the entire world. Come on, church. The Bible doesn't say when he returns, everybody will be caught up to meet him. It does not say that, but it says when Jesus returns, he's coming back after so the church belongs to Jesus. So Jesus is obligated to take care of the church because God has entrusted the church to Jesus. And we talked about this last week. If you're part of the church, you are now protected like you have never, ever, ever, ever been before in your entire life. Somebody say, I'm part of the church. If you're part of the church, you're part of something really special. Jesus is now our advocate sitting in heaven. And Jesus says, Father, I'm coming to you. Look at it in your Bible in verse 13. I'm coming to you. What is he saying? I'm coming to you. He's saying, Father, I'm coming home. That's what Jesus is actually saying. Don't get too comfortable saying, oh, look at the beautiful earth. I'll be here forever. No, you won't. This is not our final destination. I used to hear, and I mean no disrespect when I say this, I used to hear old people say this all the time, I'm just a pilgrim traveling through this world. This world is not our home. Listen to me. One day we'll be here when Jesus rules from Jerusalem for 1,000 years, but even 1,000 years in the sight of God is just one day. 
This world is not our home. And Jesus was very intentional when he was praying and these men were listening. He wanted them to know, I'm not just disappearing. I'm not just going to die. He said, I'm going home. And you need to start telling your family, God is real. And if you don't have it straight with God, one day you can spend eternity separated from the Father. Jesus actually makes an intentional statement. Look at your Bible. He prays that they may have his joy. Underline that. He says, my joy fulfilled in them. So this verse focused on joy. This verse shows us that Jesus wants us to have a different experience. And we as the church, the closer we get to the return of Jesus, the more we're going to experience supernatural things that you cannot explain. What you're talking about, Willis? What I'm talking about is there's going to come moments there's going to come a short season when the Holy Spirit is just pouring out so much into your life. You're not going to be able to explain it because the joy that God gave you when everybody else is falling apart, when everybody else is upset and angry and not knowing what to do, you can have joy and inner peace because you're a part of the church. And Jesus takes care of his church. If you are a follower of Christ, he wants you to have a new, closer relationship with him. And he's getting ready to accelerate. You keep hearing the word everywhere, accelerate. Come on with it, Lord. Accelerate for the kingdom of God. The joy that Jesus is praying to his father about the joy that Jesus is actually telling the disciples about, it's not a temporary thing. The joy that Jesus is talking about is rooted in the truth because Jesus understands who God is. It ought to give you real joy. I'm talking about real joy. I'm talking about joy where people think you crazy. Real joy, joy that's on the inside of you that tells you no matter what comes up in my life, I don't have to fall apart. I don't have to throw the towel in. I don't have to quit. I may bend, but I will not break because the joy that I have is in knowing who God is. When you really know who God is, that really does change the way you view things. That changes the way you react to things when you know who God is. Hallelujah. How many of you really know God? Say, I'm glad I know him. This brings real joy when you know who God is and when you strive to live in accordance with his will. His prayer for his disciples, he prayed that not only would they have joy, but he prayed that their joy would be full, would be complete. And then Jesus even used the word, be made perfect within them. The definition of joy, according to Webster's Dictionary, 
is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And it's not hard to see people are so angry now, road rage. I have never, I've been driving for a minute. I have, I'm going to say this the way I say it. I have never seen so many crazy drivers in all of my life. What are you in such a hurry for? Keep on rushing to an early grave. The joy that Jesus is talking about gives you peace to slow down and enjoy where you're at today. Don't always be so focused on tomorrow that you forget, and you know who I'm talking to. Some people are so focused on tomorrow. Some people are so focused on next week, next year, that you don't take time to enjoy the joy <laughs> that Christ has for you today. No, I'm serious. Get your hand out and tell somebody, the Lord wants you to be joyful today. Jesus was committed to completing the Father's plan for our redemption. Jesus wasn't doing this for himself. He was already a king. He already had a kingdom. But Jesus came here to earth and lived here for 33 and a half years in obedience to the Father's plan. I know you already got this wrote down, but write it down again. God always, thank you, Sister Nita, has a plan. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to recognize it, but God always has a plan. And when you line up, when you honestly try to live for God, little by little, he will begin to show you his plan. Now, I wish sometimes, Lord, why can't you just show it all to me at once? Do you know why he can't? Because the majority of us would run. <laughs> it's not all smooth. You may have some hills and valleys, but I love how the Bible says he can make the crooked places and the rough places smooth. Can he do it today? I said, can he do it today? So if you've got some rough places in your life, don't give up joy. God's joy. The joy that the Savior has is living within me. And if you have his joy, that's enough to help smooth out. Hey, thank you, Lord, because I got a few areas that I need you to smooth out. I've tried to work on them, and I just couldn't do it. My list is not the same as your list, so I just turn it over to you, Lord. Isn't God good? I said, isn't he good? Please write this down. God has a plan for my life. And the more we study God's plan, Word. The more we get into the writings and teachings of Jesus, the more God begins to reveal what it is he has called you to do. All of us don't have the same mission. We're part of the body of Christ, but we don't have the same function. Say amen. Look at verse 13. Why did he say he wanted to do this? 
that they may experience. The body of Christ is getting ready to have a real experience of movement of the Holy Spirit. Mark this date. A movement of the Holy Spirit that we have never had before. September. Our English word for the word fulfilled we see fulfilled in our Bible, it's actually two separate words. To properly get the meaning where Jesus said fulfilled, look at your Bible, you can reverse the syllables. And if you reverse the syllables, look what the Word of God says, that he wants joy filled, and he wants, you got it, listen, and he wants joy full. So know for your life that the Lord Jesus Christ wants me filled with his joy. And if you're filled with his joy, then when things come up in life, we don't panic. Say amen. And you say, Pastor, what are you talking about filled with his joy? Filled up in knowing who he really is. That's what gives me joy because I understand, I've been enlightened to understand who Jesus really is. And the world doesn't want to recognize this, but Jesus is God. He says he wanted, look at verse 13, he was praying his desire was for them to experience the fullness of his joy. God doesn't want you being on the roller coaster. God doesn't want you happy three days a week. God doesn't want you joyful just on Sunday. God wants you to have joy every day. Despite all the crazy stuff taking place and look at your neighbor and shake your head and tell them that's a lot of crazy stuff going on. I mean, there's a, there's, a, and there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Yeah. What is right has been called wrong. And what is wrong, the world is trying to make it right. But it doesn't matter what the world says. It only matters what God's word says. And if you're not living in according to God's word, you are wrong. You are walking in disobedience. Say amen. Many people in the world are going to perish because they don't know God and they don't know Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to accept me into your heart. Jesus said, I'm here. He said many times, behold, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. He wants to come in, but he's not going to force himself into your life, into your heart. If you want more of him, you have to invite him in. Lord, come in. Help me. Change me. Create in me the right attitude. Hallelujah. Lord, I want to grow and be pleasing and acceptable unto God. Say amen. Lord, I want to grow to the point where I can stand when the enemy attacks. Say amen. Jesus never asked the disciples to pray for him. He prayed for himself. 
grow to the point when you know who Jesus is and you know who he really is, you can talk to him for yourself. Lord Jesus, I need you. I have to have you. You're the only one I know can work out this impossible task. Jesus, Because if you're part of the church, the enemy will attack you. That's why little things he does trying to nag at you and demons doing trying to nag at you because they're trying to attack you. But you can throw every attack you want to. I'm still protected. His love protects me. And I have the Holy Spirit inside. And the wonderful things... Listen to me, saints. Even when attacks come, even when things happen to you, God is still giving the church power to stand. Amen. You still have power to stand, no matter how hard it may seem. And real talk, man, some things are tough. But you still have power because you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. I have the Holy Spirit living within. Say amen. amen. Jesus said, look at verse 13, I want to share my joy with them because they're going to need it. Jesus knew these 11 men were going to have to stand some attacks that you and I may not have been capable of withstanding. So sometimes we want to be hard on the 11 disciples, but give them a break. They helped start the church. We're just carrying out the work. And some people that uh, call themselves carrying out the work are not doing that. Uh-oh. Anybody want to hear the truth? No, real talk. In the New Testament, uh, okay. all of us have heard the term and I'm going to be honest with you, and everyone watches this broadcast. All of us have heard the term, I'm a Christian. Come on, raise your hand. We've all heard the term. We've all heard the term, I'm a Christian. It's nothing wrong in saying it, but it's not the truth. Hmm. Pastor, how can you say that's not the truth? Because do you really understand what it means to be a Christian? To be a Christian means to show Christ-like characteristics. And most people that call themselves a Christian do not show Christ-like characteristics. Hit it now, Jefferson. If you call yourself a Christian, then you can't be acting just like the world acts. That means you're not being honest or you're not really I'm a believer, but I'm scared. A believer walks by faith. If you're going to call yourself a believer, then do it. Step out on faith. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, then show characteristics of Christ. What are you talking about, Pastor? What did Christ do? He had compassion. He had kindness. He had love. He was concerned about others. Here, Jesus Get this in your mind. He's getting ready to die. 
He's not going to sleep. He's getting ready to die. But before he dies, he's going to be tortured. Even though he's going to be tortured, he loved these men enough that he was preparing them for what they were about to face. That's real love. And he wanted to make sure if they were going to call themselves a believer or call themselves a Christian that they were going to live up to the standard that God had set. I'm not trying to please man anymore. Some of y'all still haven't been delivered from people. You need to grow up and stop being concerned about what people think about you and you really need to be concerned about am I pleasing God? Because when you please God, when you have that connection straight with God, and I used to say this, but I'm, I'm changing the way I'm thinking, man. I'm not so concerned about having favor with man. Okay. My main focus is I want to have favor with God because you get it right with God and he'll supply all of my needs. I don't have to manipulate. I don't have to trick. I don't have to scheme. I don't have to lie. When God gives you favor, there's nothing the enemy can do. Now listen to Pastor White carefully. You go, Pastor White said I'm not a Christian. Only you can answer that. Whose characteristics are you displaying? Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Maturing Christians, we must trust and obey the word of God in our hearts. That's how joy will begin to overflow. We've said this for years. Now we must really, really, really understand the power of our words. Write it down. My words have power. And now that you have a deeper understanding, now that the Holy Spirit has given you a deeper meaning, you can't just say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You can't just say empty words. When now, since you have an intimate relationship with God, since the Holy Spirit has orchestrated new things in your life, when you say the joy of the Lord is my strength, learn how to rest in it. Don't just say it on Sunday. I'm going to rest in your joy all week long. I don't care who don't like it. I don't care who comes after me. I don't care what the enemy tries to whisper to me. I'm going to learn and start training myself how to rest in God's joy because demons are waiting for you as soon as you go outside the door. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus said he's given his joy. And Christ is the real joy for every believer. Joy in the world is fading. Joy in the world is decaying. But joy in Christ is everlasting just like him. 
That's how you can have real joy. The joy that the Lord is talking about here is not a temporary thing. It's an eternal thing. And once you start grasping that the Lord Jesus wants me to have joy and have real joy and have unspeakable joy, it'll change the way you view things. And all true believers are starting to experience this joy. We're not immune, we're not exempt from problems, but we have joy in knowing who Jesus is. Say amen, church. Look at your Bible. Jesus said, I'm speaking to them while I'm still in the world. He was concerned about their welfare. And Jesus is still concerned about the welfare of the church today. People don't understand why we don't fall out. People don't understand sometimes why you don't quit. People don't understand how they pushed all your buttons and you still refuse to curse God. People don't understand that because they're living in their flesh. How can I get angry at God when God has done so much for me? How can I speak ill against God when he was kind enough to wake me up today? How can I say anything against the kingdom of God when God has been so good? And I'm going to tell you, church, I'll speak about myself. God has made a way for me when I couldn't figure out what to do. I know he's a way maker. Do you know he's a way maker? Do you know he's a miracle? Come on, clap your hands in God's house. We know this as true believers because we're growing spiritually in the Lord. These 11 men, they were actually sitting around listening to some of his final words. They were listening to his last will and testament. Jesus was about to face execution. And the fact that Jesus took time to intercede on their behalf speaks about his character. I say this all the time. Your talent should not be in front of your character. Say amen. We must learn the lesson to be a blessing to those who are around us. Jesus still wanted to bless these 11 men. Be a blessing to whoever's in your home, whoever's in your camp, whoever's in your world. Bless them anyhow to show them the love of our Savior. Look carefully at verse 13. This verse actually illuminates the connection between joy and happiness. Jesus desired for his disciples to experience joy. And joy does not begin on the outside. Joy begins on the when we abide in Christ, when we're connected to the vine, we are connected to joy. The Bible says it's unspeakable joy because it is eternal. As faith walkers, many of us have our Bibles right now. As faith walkers, our lives must line up with God's word. Write it down. My life must 
It should not be optional. My life must line up with God's word. And when your life begins to line up with God's word, you will begin to have this new experience of joy. Grow to the point. This is for every maturing Christian. Go, grow to the point that your joy is not predicated upon your external conditions. I don't only have joy when I have money. <laughs> I don't only have joy when I'm eating barbecue. I have joy when I wake up because I know who Jesus is. Say amen, church. I have joy because even when a loved one dies, I know where they are. That ought to give you joy. And if you say, well, pastor, I'm dealing with a health issue, keep your joy because we know a doctor doesn't charge you anything. You don't even have to make an appointment. If you call upon his name, his name is above every name. Deacon Rainey, his name is Jesus. He is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the giver of real, eternal, internal joy. Clap your hands. Tell God thank you. And we're going to get into something right quick. There is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness comes from the old English word hap, H-A-P. Mm -mm, here we go. The word hap, H-A-P, means luck or chance. And as a maturing Christian, as students of the Bible, we know that God does not deal in luck and God does not take chances. Why? Because he's God and he is sovereign. God can do whatever he wants to do anytime he wants to. He can step inside a human history and change your life with just one word of favor. Isn't God good? And each day we are blessed to walk on this journey. We're learning more about God. Each day you get up, try to talk to God more today than you did yesterday. And I promise you, if you do that, you will begin to see results. I don't want to have luck and chances in my life. I'm a believer. I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a believer. I'm an ambassador from another world. I'm a believer. In a few years, these 11 men who were sitting around listening to Jesus, they will be put in chains. They will be cast into prison. They will be beat. They will be humiliated publicly and privately. These 10 men, these 11 men, will be condemned to death for spreading the gospel of Jesus 
They knew they had a mission to complete. And church members need to realize you have a mission to complete. Our mission is to tell the world about Jesus. It doesn't matter if they want to hear it or not. Tell them anyway. Because one day he's going to return. Look at the middle of verse 13. Jesus wanted them to have his delight, his enjoyment. He wanted it perfected in their souls, within their souls. The Lord wants to touch your soul because he knows if he can touch your soul, that will change everything you've been taught. We've been taught since we live in the world, we have to live in fear. But as a believer, we don't live in fear. We live in faith. Faith is believing in something you can't see, but you know God's going to do it when he says so. You got to make up your own mind. I'm done living in fear. What am I going to do about tomorrow? I'm going to live in faith. What am I going to do about my future? I'm going to live in faith. And that ought to give you joy. Real joy. Say amen. Jesus, please write this down. Jesus is my joy. And you have to grow to the point where that becomes natural for you to say it. Jesus is my joy. Jesus knows what God is capable of. Jesus knows what he's capable of. And now I have a greater understanding that he is my joy. Listen to me, church. When you put your hope and your joy in people, they will let you down every single time. Some of you heard the old saying, um, don't ever meet your hero because your hero will break your heart every time. What? I can't wait to meet my hero. My hero is not a heartbreaker. See, y'all don't know him evidently. My hero, Jesus, is a heart fixer. Can he fix your heart? Can he bind it back together? Can he make everything? Look at somebody and say, I know he's a heart fixer. Let's see some of y'all scared. Say, I know he's a heart fixer. When we obey his words, when we live upright before our heavenly father, transformation will begin to take place. And the Holy Spirit said, warn the church to be alert. Warn the church to be attentive because acceleration is taking place. And 2,000 years, 2,000 years have passed since our Savior walked the earth. And he said, now we're getting ready to experience transformation. Stand to your feet. Maturing Christians, this union with Christ only brings a believer closer in union with God. And even though this world is corrupt, lift your hands, even though this world, the majority of the people in the world are not going to heaven, God selected you.
Do not take it lightly that God chose you, that God anointed you before the foundation of the world. God could have chose anyone. But say this out loud. Say, but he chose me. What a powerful thing to say. God chose me. And what did he choose? He chose you to be part of his son's church. Maturing Christians, the deeper we get in God's word, the more he reveals to us what he wants the church to do. And we begin to understand that there are no coincidences. When things happen in your life, they didn't happen by chance. God chose you. God has a plan. And God has a purpose for your life. Lift your hands high. Remind yourself every day. Jesus is not only my teacher, but he's also my Savior. And God has called the church, the church that he has entrusted to his son. Since God has poured out his knowledge, he's called us to a higher standard of Christian living. Father, we don't want to live by chance or by luck. Father, we want to live and dwell and reside in the joy that you have made available for your church. Thank you, Father. As we lift our hands unto you, you're smiling from heaven. And in your smile, we receive your peace We receive your love, and most of all, we receive your joy. Thank you, Father, that it is well. Clap your hands. I know you received the word. God bless you. Listen to Pastor carefully. The supernatural world is about to accelerate. Just like we're seeing the demonic forces accelerate, we're going to see the kingdom of God accelerate. Hallelujah! Some people don't believe this, and that's okay. The thing about prophecy is, when it's said, wait for it to come to pass. God has done everything he said he was going to do for the body of Christ. And tell your neighbor, get ready, because my God is not finished with me yet. Love you. God bless you. Peace. God bless you for listening to this message. It is our prayer that you receive it in Jesus' name. Emmanuel Church is building, changing, and inspiring lives through the power of Jesus Christ.